The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Com's lead prospect analyst James Anderson. Great to be talking with you, James. How are you on this Wednesday? Before we get into it, I got something to, to lead things off today. That uh, kind of the the talk of the baseball world. But first, how are you? Uh, just really busy as as you are. Uh, feels like I've got too much to get done before opening day, but um, doing our best. Yeah, man, it's uh, one thing after another this time of season, trying to stay afloat. Hope all of you out there are staying sane and, and safe this time of year. Uh, Bobby Witt was the guy I wanted to lead things off today with, Bobby Witt Jr. And, man, what a what a difference like 10 days makes, James. Uh, last weekend, not last weekend, but the weekend before, AL Labor draft and auction, Bobby Witt Jr. did not go. In that now, I'm really willing to and ready to shell out big time in free agency, but just crazy that here we are ten days later talking about him having a chance to to break the opening day roster. Do you buy that, or do you think 
man, this kid needs to show a little bit more before a team can can thrust him into that spotlight. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. I think that he's been so impressive this spring and the rest of the roster is kind of ho-hum that I I don't think you can rule it out. And I think that uh, Dayton Moore is definitely the type of general manager that's going to kind of not play the analytics sort of numbers. How can we maximize our value out of this player, like sort of treating players like a commodity and that type of thing. I I don't think he's going to go that route. So I think if they do send him down, it might not be long until we we see him again. Uh, Would be a very unique situation given that, you know, he's got fewer games and full, I mean, he hasn't played in full season ball, but, like this would be even more drastic than something like Juan Soto or, or Fernando Tatis Jr. If we're just kind of judging him based on uh, real games in the minor leagues, but I think it's tough to also kind of gauge just how much got done in 2020 on the developmental side because we don't have like a, a nice stat line of 120 games at this level, and we can say, oh, he did this, he did that. Uh, I mean, he obviously made massive strides. Uh, to the point where, you know, you go back to the AZL, I think in 2019, uh, Marco Luciano is there, uh, CJ Abrams there, Bobby Witt's there, and Marco Luciano was way better than Bobby Witt in the AZL in 2019. Uh, and then now you flash forward and all of a sudden Bobby Witt's pushing for a roster spot and and Luciano just looked like a guy that you would expect to, to struggle against big league competition but wits just come so far in such a, a short amount of time and so much of that has come sort of behind closed doors where we haven't had access to uh following just how much he's improved so uh, i don't think you should rule it out just based on looking at his fan page and saying well he hasn't even played at high a or double a or anything like that um obviously it looks like he belongs you know he's I think what, what's been almost most telling to me is just the praise that his teammates have given him kind of like on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, you don't, you don't see multiple, you know, longtime big leaguers tout a rookie. You say uh, he's like an insane talent. Right. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty, pretty rare stuff. So I, I, it does kind of give me, uh, Fernando Tatis vibes a little bit in that, this could just be happening really quickly because he's such a special player, such a special talent uh, that it might just be happening way ahead of schedule. Uh, I mean, in the outlook I wrote from, for the mag, I mean, like I think in, in the lead sentence, I said that um, there's speculation he could debut this season. So it wasn't, it wasn't like this came completely out of nowhere, Um, but it, it's definitely more of a, while we're actually talking about opening day rather than he could push up in like June or July. Yeah, when when um, he started getting this crazy buzz, I did look up what our outlook said on the site, and you were you were prescient with that outlook. Good job, James. And yeah, I, I, this does kind of have that Fernando Tatis feel to it, where it's like, you know, he's just forcing their hand, and you know, winning his teammates over is a big deal. And I do kind of feel like there's something to doing right by the player and the player's teammates, and just um, they, they've made some moves to win now and. You never know what could happen with that fan base if a guy like Bobby Witt comes in and just lights the world on fire. Maybe 
um, spark something there in Kansas City when it comes to baseball. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned, you know, 10 days ago, he didn't even go in AL labor, which is about as deep a league as you can get. Now I have Bobby Witt inside my top 200. <laughs> so maybe a little bit of an overreaction, but I saw the 484-foot homer. Just crazy. Then I saw the 12-pitch at bat against Urias after he fell down 0-2. Just a brilliant one. And then he took Urias deep the next at bat. So it's like... And plus, the contrast between Bobby Witt's 12-pitch plate appearance against Urias and then Mondesi's, where he just struck out like on three pitches. <laughs> Pretty uh, stark contrast. I just think... Plus, Witt made a couple of really nice plays at second. It's hard to say this kid isn't one of their top position players right now. And so I think when we do the main and future mixed leagues even, I'm going to be looking to grab uh, Bobby Witt Jr. I have him actually right now behind guys like Kirilov and uh, Andrew Vaughn. So what do you think? Are you with me on on him for mixers, Bobby Witt? You said you have him behind those guys? Yeah, right behind those guys. Bunched together, though. Yeah, I mean, I I think Witt Witt should be kind of right there with – Kelnick for 2021. Okay, so maybe uh, I, would, I need to bump def- him even higher. I would definitely take Kirilov and Vaughn over him because I think those guys are are really kind of locked into a role with their teams. But I opening think day. he's in that. Like I, I, I would have Kelnick behind those guys and Wit behind those guys too, just because um, there's there's uncertainty involved of when they're going to be up, um, and they're more kind of lottery ticket types you know i don't i don't think you're getting the same type of floor that you're getting with kirloff and vaughn uh but and i I wouldn't i wouldn't have wit in my top 200 i he'd be kind of like borderline top 300 i would say just just given the uncertainty involved i mean there still is going to be some swing and miss um and there might be a lot of it and i don't think like if he like if he made the opening day roster and had like a forty percent strikeout rate in April, would I mean you should you shouldn't be saying man I can't believe he's striking out this much right like yeah. he hasn't even played in low A. So his I, hands I think look lightning quick though. I mean, no, I know those hands, but I mean it's brilliant. just there's there's no safety involved here. Yeah, at all. That's true. Uh, I just have those three so bunch I, because I do feel like there's a point where you you take a shot, probably not on multiple of those guys, but one of them, and uh, you know it's yeah, stash I, I think season. It's, it's definitely to the point where he should go in a 15 team mixer, uh, whether it's the reserve rounds or just before that. I mean, that's up mm-hmm. to the individual drafter, but I, I think he, if I was doing a main event draft today, I would, I wouldn't let the draft finished without selecting him because even if you just said, I'm, I'm cutting this guy, if he doesn't make the opening day roster, well then you can cut him and you can wait to see if it happens or not. Whereas like, if you just take some random, like Jesus Aguilar guy, like, you know, there, there's no, you're not saving like $300 in fab by taking that guy at the end of the draft. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And Bobby Witt too, leading off for that team occasionally. And uh, yeah, that could be a juicy spot. He's got some speed and yeah, those hands look lightning quick. It is such a uncharted, unknown territory we're in because yeah, you wouldn't think historically a guy like that would be ready, but we're in uncharted territory with the lost season. So we just don't know how, we don't know how to gauge his progress in any meaningful way. But so far this spring, it does seem like he has made leaps and bounds with, with that development, Bobby Witt Jr. So, James, uh, the main topic of conversation today, the NL East prospects you wrote up, uh, March 12th article, Farm Futures 
113 NL East prospects you need to know. Uh, great stuff here. We will be talking um, on Farm Friday, too. Uh, but no XM show on Saturday this week. Tout Wars interrupting that. I just want a little programming note there. But uh, we'll start at the very top uh, of the NL East with Atlanta here. And uh, Drew Waters, your number one prospect in this organization, 2017 draftee. Um, and then Ian Anderson, who finally broke in, who did break in and had a ton of success, more than I was expecting, Christian Pache. Uh, this organization, you know, it used to be the, the arms. They used to have arms galore, and we thought, you know, they, several of them will probably pan out. Now Freed has been fine. Um is Ian Anderson, though, is he going to build on what we saw, or do you think that's kind of fool's gold, what we saw from Ian Anderson last season? Uh, I don't think it's fool's gold, but I don't think he's – I think he's getting overdrafted right now. Uh, like, he's a he's a good big league starter. I think he proved that. He's probably more of a number three to me, and, you know, there's – uh, who knows how many innings he's going to throw, but I wouldn't wouldn't project him to throw 160 innings. And uh, the changeup's awesome. So I mean, it's it's definitely a success story on the developmental side for for them. Uh, the you know maybe maybe the command really did improve that much in such a short amount of time, but I I don't necessarily want to pay the price that it costs to to find out right now and. And even if he did improve the command that much, um, the fastball and the breaking ball aren't aren't amazing offerings. So I, I just I think he's getting a little overdrafted, but it's a it's still he's a really good pitcher, and that, that was a really nice pick and, and developmental uh, job by by Atlanta. Yeah, it's like that command came together really quickly for him. I'm still skeptical as to whether he can sustain that level of command, but a dominant outing. Struck out seven the other day, over three and a third against the uh, Red Sox, Ian Anderson. And then you like Drew Waters more than Christian Pache long-term. Either interest in either of these guys for redraft or for those, those draft and holds like you're doing for Tot Wars? Not really for either, honestly. Uh, Pache would be fine in a draft and hold if he was going in like the 500s, but he's not. Um, Waters, I think, probably debuts this year, but I think, like, I think there's going to be a buy low opportunity on Drew Waters once he debuts because I think he's going to strike out a bunch when he first gets to the big leagues, and so I think people are going to panic and uh, sell low on him and and try to cash him out and stuff like that. So I, I think there there could be a buying opportunity coming up with Waters, but I don't think uh, either of them are really going to move the needle a ton in twenty twenty one. And then Jared Schuster, the fourth-ranked prospect. There was he their dra- uh, top draftee last season, Jared Schuster. Yeah, in twenty twenty. Very nice. Then Braden Shoemake, Michael Harris, Ambiorius Tavares. I probably mispronounced that. Sorry, Mister Tavares. Uh, Bryce Ball, Shea Langeliers, Kyle Muller, rounding out the top ten. You wrote up twenty three. You're listed twenty three players in this organization, worth monitoring. But would you say this organization? For fantasy is, is lacking, especially compared to the the rest in this division. Or do you think there actually are some gems later down the list a little ways? 
it's definitely not lacking compared to this division because this is the worst division in baseball for prospect talent and especially prospect depth. Uh, it is probably the best division in baseball for pitching prospects. I think uh, I want to say like 10 of my top 40 pitching prospects are in this division. So they've got 25% of the top 40 pitching prospects. Uh, but the Atlanta, Philly, Washington, um, and uh, the, the Mets are both are all extremely shallow systems. Uh, there's just, there's not much after the top guys. Michael Harris is, is the guy that there's, there's already a, a decent amount of hype around him in dynasty leagues. He's, he's got five category upside and he's going to be making his full season debut this year. So he's a guy that could rise, but I mean, he's sixth in the system. So, um, the guys after him, there's, you know, there's some potential closers some potential number four starters, that type of thing. Real quick note before we move on, Fantasy Baseball is here, and you've got to check out these new best ball leagues on Underdog. Best ball is the ultimate test of your live draft skills since there's no in-season management. That's right, draft your team, and Underdog automatically credits you with your best performing players every week. You don't need to play the waiver wire or worry about trades. It's just a draft. Who doesn't love drafting? In Underdog Best Ball, you can draft as many times as you want because you don't have to do any roster management, saving you loads of time. Underdog's best ball leagues are drafting right now, starting at just $3. Once the season starts, Underdog also has daily fantasy and an all-new Pick'em game. Download the Underdog app now and get in on some best ball before the season starts. Enter promo code ROTOWIRE with your def- first deposit, and Underdog will honor a money-back guarantee during your first month. Love Underdog or get your money back with promo code ROTOWIRE. Search Underdog in your app store and enter promo code ROTOWIRE. So, James, uh, moving on to the Miami Marlins, probably the well, you, the most players you wrote up uh, for one organization in this division. And uh, Sixto Sanchez still tops the list. I had him in staff keeper as a minor league keeper, which is uh, great. By the way, I... Uh, I know you you don't care at all, James. <laughs> um, doing the staff keeper leagues are always fun. Got got your boy Justin Topa in the reserves, which I was happy oh. about. Thanks for the tip on Justin Topa. Um, and I got like McClanahan, but Sixto is kind of the crown jewel of the uh, farm system. I came in dead last last year, which is hurt. Which hurts, you know. I'm not I'm not used to that, James. So uh, Sixto is going to kind of be leading the leading the rotation for years to come. And then I added his teammate Trevor Rogers to the mix at 14 bucks. It was kind of a, quite a bidding war. Uh, but six though, and then JJ Blade, I heard Eno Saris talking about him the other day too. And um, he made a good point that just that outfield looks pretty open. Do you see JJ Blade maybe uh, forcing his way into that mix this season? Yeah, definitely. I think internally they're planning on him being up, uh, probably in the first half this year. I mean, he's that outfield. There's a ton of outfielders that are near the majors or in the majors who are kind of vying for one of those spots long-term, but Bode is the only one who's kind of in there in Sharpie, you know, like the, the other guys either need to impress or improve or, or something to kind of earn a long-term spot. But Bode is definitely an anchor for them long-term. And so, I mean, you, we we think Andrew Vaughn might open the year on the 
major league roster. I mean, he, he's same draft class as, as Vaughn. So, uh, same type of, uh, developmental track. And, um, I don't think he's going to be up that early, but I think he could definitely be up by June. Mentioned I spent up to get Trevor Rogers on my staff keeper league team. That's an 18 team league. Um, and anybody who purchased in the salary cap slash auction portion, you have to keep on your big league roster. And actually, Max Meyer went in the the draft, the auction portion. So, um, you know that only happens with some of the top dogs, and you know he was kind of one of the big available first year player guys in this. So, I kind of get it. But is Max Meyer the kind of guy who's going to be worth stashing as a major league keeper for what maybe two three years? He's got one of the higher ceilings of any pitcher in the minors. Um, really, really nasty stuff. Uh, he's only six feet tall, I think, and like 185. Uh, but he's really, really athletic. Um, his He's got this uh, slider. It's like a low 90s slider that's just one of the nastiest sliders you're ever going to see. And he's got a upper nineties fastball. Um, so, and I mean, his changeup's pretty solid too. I mean, he he's definitely got. He might not look like a frontline starter, but he's got the stuff to pitch at the top of rotation. And you know, I don't really know what. I mean, he he's kind of one of those Matthew Allen type of guys where you just kind of bubble wrap and just hope that hope that he's healthy when he gets to the big leagues, and maybe you kind of push him a little more aggressively than than you would otherwise do just to kind of get him there and uh get him contributing before something happens to him physically but um sky's the limit on him so i i, I definitely get it like because in in those leagues I, I mean i've played in leagues like that before staff people league too i mean if you if you can get like a ace or a borderline ace on a really affordable contract For that can just yeah. do wonders yeah, I, I thought that was kind of sneaky when he came up for a dollar, and I didn't really have the means to push him because I'd already filled my remaining pitching spots with uh, TJ Antone. Freddie Peralta, did you proud with Freddie? And, you know, Antone I paid 19 for, but in the software, you know, with inflation in those kind of leagues, up at 30 in the draft software. So I thought Jeff was going to push me. He backed out at 19. I was, I was pretty happy um, to get him. I actually also threw out, uh, Jason Dominguez for a buck because I'm rebuilding last place and then Jeff went too and I was like ah but um that's gonna be a, that's I, a long term stash yeah I, I wouldn't have he, you know you can't be using those big league keeper spots for a guy who's like three years away yeah, unless you're in really um, bad shape like me in rebuilding <laughs> but um no I I hear you I I was on the fence about throwing him out for one. I was kind of relieved Jeff went to two, so I didn't have to get you know play that game. Actually, somebody the reason Jason Dominguez was even available is because he went in the auction portion last year. Then that owner decided, oh, I'm not going to keep him. Well, so part of part of the strategy there too is like you you nominate him so that nobody can stash him in their minors, right? Like, yeah, because I thought like that, he can't be a, res, a reserve pick. Because that's that's where you get the crazy value is when you can stash a Dominguez type in the minors until like after he debuts. Like that's right. that's when you get Mike Trout for like three bucks or whatever. Um, yeah. So that yeah, I think I think avoiding that scenario was 
was smart, um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily want to be the person that had to have them on the, on the big league squad. Yeah, that's a long time to wait when you have seven bench spots. I thought, because I already have Rutschman, but I felt, you know, if I'm playing for two, three years down the road, maybe I will. But then, again, I was kind of relieved that I got taken off the hook there. Uh, Jazz Chisholm, the, t- uh, the fourth-ranked prospect in this system, the second-ranked position player for you in this system. Do you see him winning that second-base job? I haven't really been following that battle closely, but I know he's in the mix for an opening day starting spot. Um, I mean, he could win it. I <laughs> been so busy. I, I don't even know what Isan Diaz has been doing. Um, looks like, uh, Chisholm not doing too great. Uh, batting 207 Ks in 10 games, 20 at best. I, I think it would be best for jazz's development to go to triple a um and maybe maybe to triple a for a couple months honestly like i i i just i don't think you want it to get to the point where he's just striking out so much over you know he he already debuted last year and struck out a ton i'd i'd rather have him set up to succeed the next time around against big league pitching but Isan Diaz is barely worth a 40-man roster spot at this point, so maybe Jazz wins it by default. Like, Because the tough thing is the Marlins are trying to win this year, and Jazz, just when you factor in defense and upside, probably a better bet than Diaz. Like, I don't think Diaz is going to help them at all, but maybe they can use Birdie there decent amount until jazz is ready or something like that i think just from a developmental standpoint it'd be best for him to head to triple a now we've talked a lot about the other arms in the system but then edward cabrera the fifth ranked prospect here you have ahead of trevor rogers for the you know long-term value um what is the upside like uh, compared to the other starters here that we all kind of like sandy pablo lopez uh sixto is does cabrera have that kind of ceiling too well, so I, I mentioned in the sort of write-up portion that uh, on the on the update, the top 400 update that's going to come uh, right before opening day, Rogers will have moved ahead of Cabrera. Uh, Cabrera is just not healthy right now, and he was hurt last year too. I mean, he he throws 99. He is a pretty prime candidate for Tommy John surgery <laughs> and I would kind of expect that to happen. Yeah. So unfortunate uh, reality. I I mean Rogers is gonna move up. Cabrera's gonna move down. I think Cabrera's got as high a ceiling as anyone in this any pitcher in this org other than uh Alcantara and Max Meyer. But um I just I think that if you assume he's going to miss time with this latest arm injury, um, probably hasn't really been healthy for about a year, um, and so you know then you start thinking about maybe the bullpen. But I, it's too early to say that just yet. And and even if he did have Tommy John surgery, I think he was close enough to reaching the majors that they would continue to develop him as a starter. But there's just there's a ton of risk there, and Rogers already kind of looks like a number three starter at least. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to get Rodgers in the end game if you can still do that. And I know you've been drafting Sandy everywhere, your boy. Um, so he struck out like eight today, 
or maybe nine. I forget what it was. So uh, you have to be feeling pretty good about that. Not a hundred percent exposure to Sandy this year. Is it? Is it pushing a hundred percent though? Um, because last I'm year you almost had full one hundred percent. I did. I I made it until like I think it was like the last draft of yeah, the year or right. something that ruined my one hundred percent Sandy <laughs> exposure. Um, I think I had checked my shares, my NFBC shares, the other day, and uh, well, how about let's play this game? So I have, I think I have like seventy percent exposure to three players, and okay. Sandy's one of them. Can you name the other two? I, I think you Swanson. might be able to get one. I I don't think you're gonna get the other one. Dansby Swanson. Uh, unfortunately, no, I, I, I have over 50% exposure to Dansby, but based on where he's going in drafts, he's going high enough that it's, it's tough to get quite that much. Um, Kimbrell? No, unfortunately (laughs) I have very high exposure to Kimbrell, but it's not, it's not quite 70%. I just brought up my player share, so I'll get to those momentarily. Um. Huh, I'm trying to think who else you. I should it's know this. One, one, one is a pitcher going outside the top 200. One is a Cal third Quantrill. Baseman. Nope. That's you probably good because it looks like Logan Allen's going to beat him out. Um, pitcher going outside the top 300. You said 200. 200. Kikuchi. Yep. Yeah, he's actually my top player share too. So uh, San- seven Sandy shares and- of Kikuchi. Sandy and Kikuchi are at seventy percent, and uh, then there's a hitter in this division, but he's been going outside the top two hundred or so. Uh, let me see, uh, Matt. Is... I feel like it's somebody on the Braves, but I can't figure out who it is. Austin right. Riley. Oh yeah, I should have known it. I know you're high in the Braves because we talked about them and a part of your betting article last week. And you like the Marlins over. You still like the Braves to win this division, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But let, let me recap my player shares because I haven't really, uh, you know, I haven't disclosed these. I know everybody's itching to find out. Um, Kikuchi's my number one at 87.5%. So it's kind of nice. Uh, thankfully, I'm not in many leagues with you, apparently, in the NFBC. Steven Brault. Shout out to uh, Ian Kahn for turning me on to Stephen Brault. Jose Altuve, then. Uh, I have a bunch of guys at 50%. So Altuve, Jamer Candelario, Marco Gonzalez. I guess I'm the sucker on Marco Gonzalez. Elias Diaz, Andrew Vaughn at 50%. Cal Quantrill, again, looks like he's kind of losing ground to Logan Allen. Uh, Shane McClanahan, Jake Lamb. Don't ask me why. Uh, Jared Kelnick. Archie Bradley, his velo's down. I'm pretty scared about him. Uh, Pete Fairbanks, Zach Gallon, and Carson Kelly. So just wanted to run through those for the interest of, uh, you know, disclosure, full disclosure. <laughs> uh, anybody else here with Miami, James? Um, no, we, we can move on. All right, so Matthew Allen with the Mets, you said kind of, you know, you just put him in bubble wrap, hope he – Stays healthy until he gets to the majors. Um, probably not this year. Even if they lose a, an arm or two, Allen uh, a long shot to debut this season. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's going to be up sooner than people think. But I think uh, we're probably more talking about 
like he I think he might maybe establish himself as the top pitching prospect in the game if he stays healthy this year uh and then like he might be a really buzzy guy in spring next year but um I mean there's been a lot of just kind of noise out of out of Mets camp about just him kind of being closer to the being big league ready than people think and just really impressing guys like DeGrom and stuff. So uh, I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I mean, I think that would be a lot to ask. I mean, he, he turns 20 uh, shortly after opening day. So I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to plan on him being up this year. Yeah. I, I just look at, you know, the depth could be tested there with Joey Lucchese and those types as, you know, swing men. David Peterson, I kind of like, but you just never know. Maybe an injury or two. Then uh, the next ranked prospect here in the Mets organization for you is Pete Crow Armstrong. He was a 2020 draftee, so he was available last night in the Staff Keeper League uh, reserve rounds. And I'll just run through it. He went with the 11th pick in the first round of the reserves. I went Austin Martin to kick things off again last place, so I get the the first pick. Uh, Austin Martin, Nick Gonzalez, Zach Veen, Michael Bush, Wilman Diaz, Edward Olivares, uh, Ryan Weathers, Asa Lacey, Garrett Mitchell, Pedro Leon, then then uh, Jan Levine took Pete Crow Armstrong. Who's uh, the Who's the sucker who took Edward Olivares? <laughs> Hall of Famer Todd Zola. <laughs> so uh, we just know we know he loves Olivares, but I do think you know those those early reserve round picks. You have to go prospects. I mean, yeah, yeah, because those are, prospects on minor league deals are the most valuable asset in that league so yeah Zola's kind of new to this league but um, yeah Edward Olivares the one who doesn't really belong here uh, Jan is a, a Mets fan so you know he, he's probably happy to get Pete Crow Armstrong um, again second ranked prospect in this organization his uh, mom was in what movie uh, Rookie of the Year maybe uh, Little Big League <laughs> Little Big League okay that's uh, that's really like his claim to fame for me. That's about all I know. Yeah. But um, 18 years old, he's still got plenty of time to to make a, a name for himself on the field. Yeah, he's. I mean, I, I love him uh, as much as you can love a prep hitting prospect. Um, I mean, he's got five tool potential. I think uh, he's going to surprise people with how much power he hits for. That was kind of the question kind of coming out. Was everyone like the hit tool? defense you know he he has all the tools on defense he's got plus speed uh plus arm but uh, i think there's more power there than than people realize and i mean you just uh high school hitters are just so risky uh i, I think you got to be careful not to overrank them initially but he could be a, a big riser if he hits this year Nice. And then a little ways down the list, Khalil Lee was a recent addition to this organization, brought in as part of the three-way deal uh, with, with the uh, Royals and Red Sox, with Andrew Benintendi heading uh, to Kansas City in that deal. So Khalil Lee you have as one of the, the few in this organization who could debut this season and potentially make an impact. But uh, do you see what what the Mets saw with Khalil Lee or was this like kind of a, a buy low for them or um, how would you classify uh, Khalil Lee and his standing in this organization? Uh, I would say a reclamation project for them, a conscious sell low for Kansas city. Okay. And I, I think 
Lee is he's closer to being out of the top 400 than back inside the top 200. Um, I just has not been able, like the, the Royals worked so hard with him to try to unlock that approach and, and get him to lift the ball and tap into his, his raw power. Just couldn't do it. And he, you know, he looked pretty lost at the plate. I think this spring uh, was sent down to minor league camp the other day. I mean, the speed, it's easy to dream on. Like, he has the raw tools to be like a 25-25 guy or maybe like a 20-30 guy, but got to hit, and uh, I don't I don't know if he's going to hit. Well, before we move on, a word from our friends over at Stable Duel. Baseball has always been America's pastime, but a close second is horse racing. We've got the best way to get in on the action. Stable Duel brings a new way to play the races against your friends. Similar to what we only know in fantasy football and baseball, you select your team with your stable of horses and compete against other stables for big money prizes. Watch your stable move up the leaderboard as your horses accumulate points based on where they finish the race. The app is free to download and they offer free games so you can learn how to play at zero risk. Don't know anything about horse racing? Neither do I. Uh, But don't worry, the app has all you need to know with free data on each horse's record, as well as a risk number, speed number, and value number for your best selections. This is the first game of its kind in horse racing, and you don't want to miss out. Download download the Stable Duel app now and get in the game. Play, race, win with Stable Duel. So continuing on here, James, uh, guys like Thomas Zapucky, others who have been kind of hanging around this organization Mark Vientos, um, anybody here who you, you think you know could bounce back and become relevant, or are these guys all you know kind of waiver wire fodder in most dynasty leagues? Yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, I'd say after like after Alexander Ramirez at seven, I don't really want to be rostering any of these guys in dynasty. There's some guys who could either bounce back or break out, kind of lower down the list, but not not likely enough for me to have them uh, ranked in the, in the top 400. So on to the Phillies, Spencer Howard still hanging around and prospect eligible. Um, of course he debuted, but only six starts, 24 and a third innings last year. You can kind of just take a red marker, cross the line through it because it didn't really tell us much. He probably wasn't healthy and now he's already dealing with back spasms. Uh, this comes with the territory, but how much have the recent injuries dinged? Spencer Howard in your eyes? Uh, well, I was, you know, stuff looked better this spring before the the back spasms, so it definitely would throw out throw out like what, like you said, what he did on the field with the big league club last year, like that. That's just not really factoring into my evaluation of him at all. Uh, but durability's been an issue. Um, you know, I, I think he's still got a, a pretty high ceiling. I, it was nice to at least see him kind of flashing the, the stuff that, that he showed back in the AFL in 2019. But, yeah, I mean, he's kind of trending down a little bit. And, um, I mean, they could really use him. Like, I, I don't – I wouldn't be counting on the, the back of that rotation to be very productive this year. So they could definitely use him, but uh, – got to stay healthy and i think it'd probably be good for him to just 
get into a bit of a rhythm, make a few starts at AAA, and just kind of get some confidence there before uh, facing big league hitters again. Yeah, I think that'd probably be best uh, for Spencer Howard. But you're right; they're probably going to need him. You look at that rotation. We got Matt Moore back in the states, Chase Anderson, maybe Vince Velasquez, maybe Yvonne Nova. But yikes! I mean, past Eflin, who's I'm not really sold on either. Uh, it's pretty shaky back there. So yeah, I mean, they're probably going to need him, and they're probably going to need a guy like Francisco Morales. Uh, not probably going to look at Mick Abel last year's draftee. Probably. Uh, unrealistic to think he could be up, but Francisco Morales, you think they're going to need him to, to not only you know pitch some innings, but some important innings. Uh, well, if, if they're going into the season needing Francisco Morales, then I I feel really good about that that Phillies under that I uh, <laughs> was was supporting in in my article last week. Um, you know, Morales has closer stuff I, I think he's more likely to be an impact reliever for this team than to get actual starts uh i think that they're going to still develop him as a starter long term there were some reports from instructs that his changeup started showing flashes but uh mostly still kind of a two-pitch guy two really good pitches you know 270 grade pitches so could be their closer of the future but uh I'm I'm interested to see where they assign him because he just does, he doesn't have much upper level experience, but he's on the forty man now, so maybe he goes to Double A. Uh, that's going to be a, an aggressive assignment for him. I, I hope that he could handle it. And uh, it, you know, if he gets to the big leagues this year and is pitching out of that big league bullpen, I think something probably went right, and that would be a a success for him. Uh, but still, just kind of seeing how that changeup develops and how the command develops with him. Bryson Stott, the fourth-ranked prospect here for Philadelphia for you, James. And then Johan Rojas, number five. And then a little ways down the list, more than a little ways, actually, barely holding on <laughs> to uh, a spot on the top 20. Mickey Moniak, he went in the reserve rounds of the Staff Keeper League uh, draft last night to uh, Chris Liss, who had to make sure you know he was still there and prospect eligible because he debuted, but uh, fewer than 20 games, so he was eligible as a minor leaguer in this game or in this uh, particular league. And he seems like he's catching some renewed buzz a little bit, just given his spring. He's batting three thirty three with a couple homers. Um, you're not clearly with this ranking. You're not sold on him in this recent surge. No. Uh, All right. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's got that, he's got that pedigree, but no, I mean, they're, the, the words fifth outfielder were getting thrown around a lot with Moniak over the offseason. Yeah, here are some of the names who went in the seventh round of the reserves last night. I took Brett Gardner, uh, Michael A. Taylor, <laughs> just to give you an idea like where everybody else is valuing Mickey Moniak, uh, Leary Garcia, Merrill Kelly, Kevin Newman, Odubel Herrera, Jake Fraley. So, yeah, I mean, Mickey Moniak's kind of an afterthought, but it seems like that's uh, kind of where he deserves to be. It sounds like. He's very fringe, even for a deep league like this. Anybody else you want to talk about here? Uh, pretty thin system there in Philadelphia. Yeah, this is this might be my least favorite system in baseball. So we we can move on. Cade Cavalli kicking things off for the Nats. He went in this league, and I was kind of like, I just had a bunch of uh, pitching keepers, so I wasn't really uh, looking at Cavalli. But I kind of uh, he actually lasted quite a while, fourth round. Um, 
What's the upside for Cavalli, right-hander, 2020 draftee? Is is this like a number two starter upside? At least, yeah. I mean, he's he's really, really talented. He he looks the part of a frontline guy, uh, has has the pitches, just about command for him and staying healthy. I mean, he, he didn't have a super clean medical history, uh, but... I mean, if he stays healthy and he throws strikes, he's going to be an absolute stud. So I think that uh, sounds like he went for pretty good value last night. I mean, he he could move up. Like, he could be a top five pitching prospect a year from now. He could be a top ten pitching prospect a year from now. Very nice. Jackson Rutledge, another right-hander in the system, uh, drafted the year before Cavalli. Uh, Compared to Cavalli, is the, the ceiling pretty similar? How would you compare those two? Uh, I think there's more, there's more risk. Uh, there's more bullpen risk. I think with Rutledge, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily project either guy to, to end up there unless injuries kind of force him there. But I mean, Rutledge is like six, eight and, uh, you don't, you don't see too many guys make it as a starting pitcher at that height. And there's just, you know, there's a lot to sync up in the delivery and everything. Uh, but he, he's got a, and both these guys are, are like 98 99 pretty easy so that i mean the, the nationals definitely have a type in the draft they're looking for big guys that they can envision pitching towards the top of their rotation and, and both these guys fit the bill i just think cavalli's got a, a deeper repertoire and i i would project his command to be better than religious now james i know you know, talking with you over many years, you look forward to when guys graduate from prospect status so you no longer have to rank them. And you probably hate these questions about where guys who have graduated would slot in if they were still prospect eligible. But Carter Keyboom, like, I'm fully out. Like, I just I don't think he's very good. Uh, are you still holding out hope for Keyboom? Again, I hate to put you on the spot and ask you these kinds of questions, but would he, if prospect eligible, still be like a top five-ish guy here? In this org, he would be a top five guy. <laughs> but it's uh, close. In, mo- in most orgs, he wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, it, if he's I don't a top even think five he should guy, be a starter. System, it's it's not great. I mean, I, I I think the problem with Keyboom is, yeah, he's been terrible so far, but he was also just way overranked, uh, and I I might have been part of the problem. I don't think I was the biggest defender. I mean, I never had Keyboom in my top ten. Uh, I don't think i ever had him in my top 15 he was probably kind of a fringe top 20 guy uh at the height of his of where i was ranking him and i think other people got carried away and it's he's just he was overranked i mean he never projected for a plus hit tool and plus power like i I think it was more kind of like could be a plus hit tool with like 20 homer power could be plus power with like a 50 grade hit tool, but I, I didn't see, I didn't see both those things coming for him and he's just been completely overmatched. I wouldn't be in my top 100. I think it'd be kind of like a borderline top 150 guy. If he was still eligible for the top 400, just based on proximity, not because I think it's going to work out necessarily, but I mean, he's, he's in the majors and he's got a pretty clear path to playing time. Yeah, he had that one run at AAA with the 2019 juiced ball that was just crazy. But otherwise, I mean, otherwise he's been good on the farm, but just, you know, in terms of like fantasy and category juice, it's been pretty underwhelming. This spring, I mean, he's been really bad. Uh, a 462 OPS, 8Ks, and 25 at bats. And 
I know that they are intent on giving him a, a fair look this season, but it's like he's already trying to, to play his way out of a, a starting spot, Carter Kibu. Maybe they turn to Josh Harrison. Uh, maybe Starlin Castro moves over to the third. I just don't see him, and you don't see really any drafts where Carter Keyboom gets taken, even as a projected starter. No, team. no. I mean, I, I think what probably makes the most sense is to, like, I think Luis Garcia is a better player than Keyboom and has a better chance of developing into a, a good regular. So I, I might prefer to just move, yeah, like you said, Castro over to third and, and see what Garcia can do because – Maybe they should have brought in uh, Michael Franco, but uh, good thing he went to to Baltimore. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a victory lap that I will never tire of you taking. <laughs> You're giving me some grief. I mean, kind-hearted, light-hearted grief on the show, uh, the the XM show last week. Just about how, such a ridiculous thing to need to have break my way <laughs> in labor. Hey, you got it though. I hey, did, and now I wish I'd just gotten. Bobby Witt Jr. instead of Wander Franco. Yeah, uh, if I had been, if I had read that right, things could be looking way up. But now I'm going to have to spend like what eighty percent of my budget on Witt. Think, think how, think how pumped you'd be right now if if you had foreseen that and gotten Witt as like your final reserve or something. <laughs> that would have been so nasty. Instead, I took uh, Jordan Luplo or somebody like that. I don't. So I don't think you're going to have to go to 80 unless when, – when does the fab run? When does um, the first fab – I think there's probably a fab period before the season starts, although I think I think we would need to be officially on the roster in order to be added, though. So he would have to be officially, like, contract so you can't, purchased. You can't, stash, you can't stash guys you didn't draft. No. That's a, that's a shame. Yes, I really blew it. I, that is crazy. Like 10 days ago, I didn't see this coming at all. Now Dayton Moore is acknowledging on the radio that he's keeping an open mind. And uh, like you said, like his teammates were tweeting, like, this kid's insane. Like, this kid's the real deal. You just don't see that often. It does seem like Fernando Tati's situation where, like, his own teammates went to the, the owner of the team. Like, this kid needs to be on the roster. Like... I think that kind of pressure from his other teammates may may play a role. Well, and it's way. just how do you look? How do you look your clubhouse? Like, how, what do you say to them when you're just like, "Yeah, this guy's going down." It's like, you know, how do you yeah. justify that? And how do you get buy-in from everyone? I mean, you know, Mike Matheny wants him on that roster. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I uh, I do think I'd probably go around eighty. Out of my one hundred dollar fab budget on on wit, just because well, that, I was just gonna, that'd save me. I mean, that'd give me twenty one dollar moves throughout the year. Well, so if he if he was if they announced he broke camp with the team, you probably would have to go eighty. Uh, but eighty one. I was going to say like safe. if if you were allowed to stash and he was getting sent to triple A, I don't. I think you would maybe like bid twice as much as the next highest bid at that point because i just don't i don't know who i don't know if anyone can match your appetite for stashing in that league (laughs) doubtful um but yeah i my offense could need the help even with uh michael franco landing with the o's i i went out into the universe you know good karma getting uh that break but now i wish yeah i wish that six dollars i'd spend on wander would have I mean, I probably could have gotten wit. I know I could have got wit for a buck. 
then I could have spent the, the remaining five somewhere else. And so, yeah, I wish I'd, wish I'd seen that, but a lot can change in 10 days. Uh, as we wrap things up with these NL East uh, overview here, James, anything else in this national system, anybody else? Uh, I don't really recognize hardly any of these names, frankly. No, I mean, like the, most of the interesting guys after those top two starters are uh, recent international signees who are pretty untested and, and pretty risky. Uh, I'm I'm just uh, cranking away at this NL Central and NL West, and NL Central will be up in a day or two. NL West will probably be up Monday. Then I'm going to do uh, volume 2.0, probably the final volume of the uh, rookie tiers for 2021 because, so, like you said, so much has changed. I mean, Bobby Witt's going to be pretty high in that. Trevor Rogers going to move up in that. Um, like Guys like Taven Smith are, are going to move up in that. And that, that'll hopefully be out next week. And then uh, big top 400 update before the start of the season. So a uh, lot to kind of squeeze in here before opening day. But, um, you know, I, I just can't wait for opening day so that we could stop. I, like baseball Twitter right now is, is just the worst. I mean, you just – People are just arguing just to argue about like strategy and like you know process and all that stuff and who planted the um, flag first? Are yeah. you, like, are you allowed to plant this flag? Are you allowed to take this victory lap and like all that type of stuff? Like, it's just some policing brutal. going on. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I tried to stay off mostly for my own mental health. I've, I should just delete the Twitter app because I'm always even when I'm just down, you know, have downtime. I second nature to pick it up look for that blue icon it's a sickness james it's a, it's a sickness i can't wait to uh, do our main event next week i think our kdx kds kentucky derby system may run today i know we talked about changing it up but i think we're we're left at one through 15 right now hope you're okay with that buddy where where do we need to be to to get wet <laughs> yeah well let's plan on Let's plan everything around wit in like the eleventh or something crazy. We're just gonna avoid avoid shortstop and and save a spot for Bobby Witt. And Vladdy. I might have to I'll make some concessions elsewhere if we can get Vlad and, and Bobby Witt Jr. Uh you can't have everything you want though, so I'm fully prepared to miss out. I think I may do a second main. Uh, but I can't wait to share that with you, dude. That's gonna be fun. A week from today. We gotta we gotta talk more and get our strategy set. Anything else you want to mention before we sign off? I know you're busy, man. So thanks for taking the time to share some insight. Nah, I'm 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 good. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening. Check us out on Friday on Farm Friday on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, and we'll be back next week, Wednesday, on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.